don't even know how long ago it's been, probably 15 to 20 years ago, when I first heard somebody memorize full books of the Bible. It's like, I'm going to memorize scripture. And I memorized Psalm 34. So Alicia started it, and it just started coming out of me. It's like, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Come and let us exalt his name together. I cried to the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And it just keeps on going and going. There's so many beautiful things. And there's, there's something powerful about putting God's word inside of us. And it becomes life-giving. So beautiful. Pick you out something to memorize. Thank you, Lord. I think God's just going to continue taking us. Uh, we're already, we're already kind of just tapping into to some powerful things this morning, and I'm excited to get to share with you. Uh, Pastor John started the year with a series in Exodus, which I think we're still in, except for it's been like a hot minute since we've we've read Exodus because of travel and guests and all kinds of things, but I'm just going to go ahead and pick that up where we were. <laughs> so uh, if you are not familiar with the book of Exodus, there's, there's lots of really cool things going on in there. We've kind of been looking at this guy named Moses in the Bible, and he is called to be the deliverer for God's people. And we've kind of just watched his story unfold as we have, we've gone through just chapters and sections of Exodus uh, we, we watch uh, his, his, the way he was born into to a time when all the baby boys were being killed and he's miraculously saved and actually grows up in Pharaoh's house uh, and then ends up fleeing after he kills an Egyptian and God calls him and says, I, I've heard the cries of my people and you're the man, you're going to do it. And Moses has all the pushback. I think that was one of the messages, you know, like, why me? I can't do this. I can't talk. I can't do the things. And, and God is just like, well, you're the guy, so you're doing it. And uh, he gets his brother to go with him to, to kind of be his voice. And they go and, and they approach Pharaoh and say, let our people go. And Pharaoh is like, no chance. And they, they start this interesting, epic series of plagues by the Lord on all of the Egyptians because of Pharaoh's hard heart and his, his just refusal to let go of the people of God. 
and they, you know, I mean, it's like dangerous. It, you know, you know when you feel like saying no, and you're like over my dead body, and that's pretty, pretty close to where it's going. Uh, God's like, okay. So they, they have this like, the epic story of the plagues. If you've never read this, you have to read it because it's so mind blowing. If you actually step back and you think about what was happening, I can't even wrap my mind around it. I mean, they have, they have all the water turns to blood. They have frogs, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, a few frogs that are like, meh. They're like frogs, everywhere frogs, everywhere, covering everything. There's gnats, there's, there's flies, there's festering boils on everyone's skin. Their livestock dies. They, they, you know, there's all these things. Darkness, complete darkness. So finally... The last plague goes to a whole new level of tragedy and heartbreak. Suddenly, it's not just like this is uh, really dehabilitating in our life, but now there is, there's tragedy that's going to strike every home of every Egyptian. So in Exodus 11, says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. And after that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he'll be so eager to get rid of you that he will force all of you to leave. And he begins to tell him what's going to happen. And he says, now, I, this is what I'm going to do. And I have some instructions for you. So God's giving Moses all these detailed instructions. And then Moses is going to relay it to all of the Israelites. So in Exodus chapter 12, verse 21, it says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter that animal. Drain the blood into a basin. I, can I just pause for a second and say, I am so glad that I live on this side of Jesus. Uh, I don't know that I was made for, for all this. Um, thank you, Jesus, for that. Drain all the blood into a basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of your door frames of the house. And no one may go out through the door until morning, for the Lord will pass through the land and strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home, and he will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember, these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. And then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck down the Egyptians, he spared our families. And so when Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down 
all firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. And Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. And there was not a single house where someone had not died. So Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night and said, get out, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you said, and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought we will all die. And the Israelites took their dough bread before the yeast was even added, and they wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks, and they carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed, and they asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. And that night the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. Whoa. Can we just pause for a minute and think of 600,000 just the men? Sometimes, you know, we, we envision like the Exodus, you know, like you see the Prince of Egypt movie or something in a movie and there's like, you know, about a hundred people because that's doable when you're making a movie. Like this is more people than live, live in Midland and Odessa, more than that. Exiting, plundering the Egyptians as they go, crazy. So this event becomes known as Passover, which is still celebrated today. In fact, it's coming up. So John and I, when we we did the youth a couple of years ago, we taught on Passover and watching these kids, they were like, oh my goodness. See, because sometimes you grow up in the church and we know all these churchy terms, but we have no idea what is actually happening, and why we even say the things we do. So I want to just like highlight this a little bit because we were talking about Passover and then it was about when the angel of death passed over the houses and these youth were like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I know, isn't that crazy? There's a reason for it. Uh, so, so it becomes known as the, the Passover, right? They had to choose for themselves. It's uh, in, in uh, Exodus 12, before I started reading, a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish in order to sacrifice that, to use its blood to cover the doorpost. And so when you start hearing people sing about the lamb of God, the blood of the lamb, and we're like, what in the world is happening? It is all a reference to this point. 
And it's actually from this point on that all sacrifices to the Lord uh, become built on the idea that through blood, there is deliverance and protection and future. Because after they exit, God meets with Moses and he gives him a law of this is how you're supposed to live. This is how you can stay connected to me. And he gives him a whole list of rules for sacrifices that include blood. And it is from this point on. And so during Passover, we see that the blood of this lamb on their doorposts is providing protection for everyone inside their house. It's making a way for deliverance and opening the way for them. It's giving the promise of a new beginning. I think this is really interesting uh, and just like a light application for us. Uh, in Exodus 12 too, when God comes to Moses and starts giving him the whole plan, um, he says, from now on, this month will be the first month of the year. So the Jewish calendar is a little bit different than ours. but And I, and I think it's interesting here that it's like, like, The blood of the lamb and the Passover and this whole thing is like the sign of like, hey, now this is the first month for you. In other words, this is a beginning, right? We all love the turn of the year. Anybody else with me on this? There is nothing magical from December 31st to January 1st, but I sure like it. It's like the promise of something new, (laughs) right? The start of the year where we go, I can dream about whatever this year is going to be. I can make new goals. I can make plans. We can, we can be the best version of ourselves. Like, we're already over that now, right, because we're in March. But in January, we were all on board with that, like being awesome and making new goals and seeing something bright because the turn of the year is fresh and it's new and the possibilities of amazing things are there. And I just think it's interesting that the Lord starts out by saying, hey, so now this is going to be the first of the year for you. There's a, there's a turning. There's a new day. And really, this is all just a beautiful foreshadow of what's to come. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus because hundreds of years later, Jesus shows up. And I think it's interesting. Jesus shows up. He's walking, actually. And John the Baptist, upon seeing him, declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. You have to know that meant something. Behold the Lamb of God. Well, anyone in Jewish culture understands what the Lamb of God's purpose is. So from the very moment as Jesus is walking up to be baptized and starting his ministry, there is the declaration of the cross and who he will become and who he is and his destiny. And Jesus did become the Passover lamb for all humanity. Because of the work of the cross, because of the blood of Jesus, we can be forgiven and death will pass over there's an invitation because of the sacrifice of jesus he became the perfect sacrifice so we don't have to sacrifice lambs anymore he is it (laughs) thank you jesus right 
and we can walk in forgiveness and death will pass over us, right? John 3, 16, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have eternal life. Death passes over a believer. And so the blood of Jesus provides everything we need for a life of victory. There is protection. All those things that we saw in this story of of the blood from Passover, of the blood of the lamb, there's protection provided for his people. He makes a way for deliverance because of the work of the cross. We can live in freedom from sin, from pain, right? It says, by his stripes we were healed in the Bible. And it releases us from sin and it gives us the promise of a new day. And when we tap into the power of the blood of Jesus, we're not just operating out of superstition. Some like something from long ago where it's just like, we're just going to be these weird people and we're just going to like use the blood as like a superstitious way for protection or, or divine way of living. We're actually functioning in the supernatural. When we get a hold of this, when we understand the power of what Jesus really did, when we understand the power of the blood of Jesus. I heard the most wild story. I just got to share it with you. So I have friends in Seminole, and they were, at, they were at a conference, and this pastor was telling them a story. It's like their personal story. So they're at, uh, they're at their church, and they're about getting ready to have a meeting. And they have, they have a witch come in, to the service. And she is there to just kind of disrupt some things. So she, she's sitting up here on the front row and uh, they have a guest speaker that day. And the guest speaker gets up and basically in the middle of his message, looks over at this woman, calls her by some unusual name and tells her to stop messing around. And she is like undone by this and gets up and walks out of the building. And everybody's a little confused. The pastor's wife is like, I don't, I don't this isn't good, you know? The, the pastor's like, you go deal with this, you know, of course. It'd be John and me too. John would be like, that's you. Uh, so, so the pastor's wife, uh, she goes out to try to find this woman. She can't find her. And so suddenly she's like, you know, I just, I'm just going to walk around like our sanctuary and just pray for the blood of Jesus. I'm just going to plead the blood of Jesus. If you've ever heard that term, that sounds a little churchy either. It's just praying, hey God, Jesus, you have paid for all of this and I'm praying for that protection, for that deliverance. I'm, I'm pleading the blood. In other words, uh, like cover us with your supernatural protection. So she's walking in a circle around their gathering place, just praying, Jesus, just I plead your blood, just your, your, your protection over this place. So then the lady comes back. And she says, how did that guy know my name? Because witches have a special name that no one knows, and that's the name he called me by. 
And they said, well, you have no power here, so you can go get your things and leave. Well, she said, I have stuff in the sanctuary. And uh, they said, you can get your stuff, and then you can leave. And she tells the usher, no, I actually can't go in there. And the usher and the pastor's wife is like, yeah, it's fine. We're here. You can go get your stuff. We've given you permission. And she said, no, I don't think you understand. I, I can't. And the usher is like, and she's like, there, do you see this line? And the usher is like, <laughs> go get your stuff. I see nothing. The pastor's wife realizes what's happened. And this, this witch tells them, you don't understand. There is a line that goes as deep as the earth is. And as high as you could ever imagine, and I can't cross. It's the blood of Jesus. So that usher had to go get her stuff. He's standing apparently on the other side of the line trying to hand it to her. And she's like, I, I can't. Like, I'm going to need you to come across and hand me my stuff because I, I physically cannot do this. And I thought, whoa, uh, but such a powerful picture of the power of the blood of Jesus. See, sometimes we, sometimes we think we're operating out of superstition, right? We plead the blood like we're using it as superstitiously. But what would happen if we said, no, the blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing on this planet as a weapon for believers. And we have the opportunity to declare that protection around ourselves, around our families, around the work of the enemy. We might not get it, but I guarantee you, people who operate in the spiritual realm, they see it. They get it. That witch saw it because she understands the supernatural. She's operating in darkness, but she, she's operating in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we just have to remember, like we are spiritual people and we live in a spiritual kingdom. So when we are praying, when we are declaring, when we are standing on things, there are some times that we will not see them with our physical eyes, but that does not mean there are not things happening because the spirit realm is real. And our power as believers is far superior than any darkness. You, you talk to anybody who has come out of witchcraft or divination, and they will tell you some crazy stories, like this story of the bloodline being all this, the, as high as you could imagine and as deep as the depths of the earth. They will tell you, like, yeah, we don't. If believers knew, like they'll know who believers are because they see in the spirit and they're like, th their spiritual stuff is way bigger than anybody else's, but they just don't know it. Because Holy Spirit is superior. We don't live in a kingdom where, where there's an equal enemy to God. God and Satan are not equal. And sometimes we need to remember that. Right? So we see a lot of things. We watch a lot of movies and we always think of like the good guy and the bad guy. And we like those things because it's, it's in us. But Satan is not equal. Holy Spirit 
is far superior. God is so much bigger. His power is far greater. And we have the invitation to partner with this. One of the ways we can live in the reality of the power of the blood of Jesus is by coming to the communion table and remembering the victory that Jesus won. The other way is to get in your word. Get in the word and read about Jesus, about his sacrifice. What does the word say about his blood? You can find scriptures on that even in the Old Testament because this is one big story saying the same thing from start to finish. There's so much power. And Jesus has already paid for it. I I just still can't get over it. I don't think we're supposed to. I'm going to read this this scripture. It's so good. Uh, Maybe I'm going to read it out of a a different translation. Uh, We'll read it out of both. Let's do both. Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. This is exactly what we're talking about. Listen to this translation. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins Our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. That's good news. When we really get a hold of this, it becomes life-changing because it's the gospel. And the gospel's good news. And, and it, we, we want this. We want to experience it in all of its, its fullness. When we enter into this, we enter into rest and peace and hope and joy. And we must get to the place where we, we return to an undiluted gospel where the cross is still the most powerful thing and the blood of Jesus still works yeah. all the time. That's good news. And it's not just, it's not just for heaven just so that death would pass over us. It's, it's so that death and every harmful thing from the enemy would pass over us. Eternal life is amazing. That is one of the biggest bonuses. But also the blood of Jesus empowers us to live in victory while we're still here, stuck in these bodies on this earth. We are not destined to just receive the blood of Jesus until we die so that death passes over us and we live in heaven. That is certainly part of it. But there is so much more to the gospel because salvation happens now in our spirits where we get to experience freedom from our sin from addiction from pain where we experience the supernatural presence of God working in our lives 
where we continually watch things pass over our lives because of what Jesus has done. Not because we're so good, not because we became a Christian and we can do it all. No, because of the work of Jesus. There is zero striving that I can do to make things pass over me. Has anybody ever tried that? (laughs) It just never works out long term. But when I rest in the fact that Jesus has paid for my freedom, when I rest in the fact that Jesus has paid for my mind, for my sound mind, then I watch anxiety pass over. I watch death pass over. You know, ironically, because it's just like God, when we talk about the communion table, that's a Passover meal that Jesus was sharing. We just talked about Passover and the origins of this. So when Jesus takes the bread and the cup, he is sharing a Passover meal. Passover. Like, just let that sink in for a second. Jesus. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God would become the sacrifice for all of humanity on when? Passover. During the very feast where the Jews were remembering their deliverance from death. And as they were sitting at the table together, Jesus and his disciples eating the Passover meal, because did you hear it when we talked about it? It said, uh, and this, this will be something that you do forever. It's not just one time. So during Passover, they don't use yeast uh, because they are remembering the time that they were instructed to leave so hurriedly that they had not had their dough prepped. If you've ever made bread and you add yeast, you got to let that sit and work it, you know, because if you don't, this is what you end up with. If you have no yeast in bread, it's flat. So I went to get a pita, but this is matzah, and this is going to work great. So this has no yeast in it. That's why it's not fluffy. That's why it didn't rise. This is what we use for our communion crackers, uh, is a yeastless bread. And Jesus gathered, and they were sharing the Passover, and he takes the bread, and he breaks it. And he's laying out something for them that I don't even know they were fully understanding. He's telling them what's going to happen. And he says, take and eat this. For this is my body that was broken for you. And they pass it around and they're eating it. 
And it says, and after dinner, Jesus took the cup. And there, we could do a whole entire teaching on Passover meal and all of those things and the order, but Jesus takes a cup and he says, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that I've shed for you. And then he tells them, do this in remembrance of me. See, sometimes we get so busy remembering our failure and our shortcomings and our sin that we're not really taking time at the table to remember that Jesus has already paid for that. Is his blood really enough? Yes. The answer is yes, if you don't know. But it takes a shift of my focus from myself, from my past, from all my stuff, to Jesus, to what he really did. Don't get used to the work of the cross. You know, we're coming into Easter. Let this explode in your heart like it's you're hearing it for the first time. We should never get used to the work of the cross. We should never get used to it. We should never get to the place where we read about it and we don't weep. I mean, the parts of the Bible that are the crucifixion, my pages are just like wrinkly because I can't read it without crying. Because I can't get used to it. I can't get used to the fact that the Son of God came here and lived a perfect life and died a terrible death. We have to come back where we remember that, where we we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember the shame and the torture and the humiliation and the pain and the suffering and the agony the brutality of all of it, the love, the loneliness, the obedience, the willing to endure for the joy set before him. When we get into the word of God, when we read this story, when we think on Jesus, when we come to the table and we remember this, we are doing ourselves a favor because we're reminding ourselves of the gospel. We are returning to the good news every time we come to this table and remember that Jesus has made a covenant for his people that is for all time and for every person. Jesus' blood is enough. It is enough. Let it move us every time. Let us really think about it. Let us really praise him. Let us really be, be captured by the love of God for us. That he would even orchestrate the most insane plan with the most beautiful timing over centuries of the story of his people and we still get to celebrate it. It's such a gift. It's such a gift. This becomes a weapon in our hands. This bread and this juice, it becomes a weapon to fight against the enemy. I've experienced its power in my own life. I'm going to share really briefly, and then we're going to respond with communion. Uh, at the, in 2021, uh, I was coming off of a season of just uh, really terrible anxiety is really what it ended up being. I wasn't sure at the time that's what it was. I was dealing with all kinds of physical things. I was, I was just a wreck. My mind was a wreck. My body was a wreck. 
And I w- I'd been to doctors, and we were exploring what's happening. They're checking my heart out. I'm, like, making sure, like, I'm not going to die. Uh, make sure, you know, sometimes you've got to make sure of those things. Uh, so I, I went there. They said, no, this is fine, but I think you should see an allergist. This could be an allergy thing that you're dealing with. So I'm just going through all these things. And it was the turn of the year, and Foursquare was starting their 21-day fast. And so I was praying to the Lord, and I heard the Lord say, Ashley, I want you to fast coffee for 21 days. So I said, get behind me, Satan. Because there is no way that God would ever ask me something like that. But I knew it was him. And he said, I want you, this is what I want you to do. For 21 days, I want you to give up coffee. And in its place, every morning, I want you to get up and I want you to take communion. And I was like, this is so weird. But if you say so, I will do it. And uh, we were kind of looking at what doctors to go to next. I told John, I'm going to take 21 days. And I'm going to fast. I'm going I'm to do this. This is what the Lord has told me to do. And at the end of 21 days, if I'm not healed, then we will I'm going to be praying, and I believe that the Lord will show us what's next in this journey. So every day I would get up, and I would not drink coffee. You know, I tried tea a few times, and it was like a hot cup of disappointment every time. Because if you want coffee and you're drinking tea, it's just never satisfying. And I would come before the table, and I would have my cracker and my juice. And at this point, I had not really done communion uh, on my own very much. I had done it corporately, loved it, loved, loved the idea of it, but I would not really done this on my own. So every single day, I'd get up, and I'd have my cracker and my juice. It became so rich. Like, my time would just get longer and longer, because every day I would think, well, I can't just say the same thing, so i got to think on you a little bit more. i, I got to think about this, right? And so I would just come, and I would just think about Jesus. I'd read the scripture, I'd sing a song, or I I would just be like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your brokenness provides my wholeness. And I would read all these different scriptures, and I would take the juice, and then I, I, I morphed partway through, and I just like, man, what, now when I take communion at home, my cup, I, like, I'll be like, it'd be like 20 minutes, all right, because I'm praying. I pray for you guys by name sometimes when I'm doing my communion. I'm pleading the blood over people that I know, over my family, over my brother who's a sergeant in our in MPD. I, I pray over our schools. I pray over our city. I pray over our neighborhoods. Whatever is stirring my heart, I always pray over my children, and then I just let Jesus go from there. So a lot of times you guys are included in this when Jesus just brings your face to me, or I'll just pray over our church, and I'm just like, Jesus, your blood is so powerful. I'm just pleading your blood right now over Paul and over his mind and over his business and over his life and over his family, and oh, it's so good. And, and so I just started just getting a hold of it. And partway through, I was probably at least halfway or more. I mean, I started having terrible back pain. I was still having anxiety attacks. The whole thing was a hot mess, but I was certainly enjoying my communion time. And one day I woke up, and in the middle of my communion, the Lord said, you're believing a lie. I was like, uh. So I asked him what lie I was believing. It was super annoying. I don't really like when Jesus points out things in your heart that you didn't know were there and you think that cannot be possible. But he said, you believe. You believe that you're going to have an untimely death. 
And see, at this point, I had never had any kind of anything in my body that would even surface that lie because I've, I'd been so healthy. And so then when you start like having heart pain, chest pain, and all these crazy things and you can't get control of it, uh, there's a lie underneath everything that surfaces that says, hey, I'm here now that you're feeling bad. This is your destiny. I'm... Y'all, there is so much freedom. If you've heard me share this story, usually I'm like crying at this point and I don't even like to share any of this. So I'm, sm- I'm still smiling and happy. Um, so I, I, I wrote this lie down on a piece of paper and I was horrified to see it written in my own handwriting. I was just like, this is crazy that I even think this. And so I just took some time and I just said, you know what, God? Your blood has covered this. You've already paid for this. Your death is passing over me. And so I just said, what is your truth? I just got a hold of it. And I, I had my, my cup and my juice and my little paper with my lie. And I just said, I'm breaking the partnership this morning. I, I, am, no, I am no longer siding with this. This is a lie of the enemy. And so I just ripped that paper up and I took my juice and I said, it is finished. And I hobbled upstairs because my back was hurting so bad. (laughs) And a little while later, I was getting ready. Jesus just shows up in the most weird times. I was not like worshiping or doing anything spiritual. I was mid-mascara. And the Spirit of God fell on me. It was like my entire bathroom was flooded with the presence of Jesus. And this was miraculous in so many ways because for the months that I had been struggling with this, I had felt very in a hole and a little bit distant from the Lord. And he just showed up mid-mascara. And all my back pain left. And I was just like, whoa, God, thank you, Jesus. And I just kept thanking him. And from that point on, every day I continued my communion for the 21 days, I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. But see, what happened is coming to the table and remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and that it trumps the enemy every time, did something, identifying the lie underneath all of my feelings and and applying the blood of Jesus and the truth of that disarmed everything. So now if there's anxiety that comes over me, I can take it captive. See, sometimes when you are a prisoner to something, you can't take something captive because it is so embedded in you. But when you dig something out from the root, when an attack comes, you're like, I'm free from that. Uh Uh-uh. That is going to the foot of the cross right now. See, sometimes we have to come to these places where we experience the power of the blood of Jesus in a way that launches us to new places of freedom. And it sets us up with authority and with favor, just like the original Passover. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. And so I want us to end by coming to the table. 
And not just to pass this out as some religious table, but to say, today you're coming to the table of relationship where you remember a personal God who loves you, who did it for you, who did it for your stuff. Because this table is for all humanity. The weakest, the worst, the darkest, this table was made for us all. No one is exempt unless you choose it. So there's an invitation here. So we're going to, uh, ushers, maybe I'll have you pa go ahead and pass this out. I think that'll be easier. And as we do this, I, I really felt strongly that, uh, that there was going to be just some healing released in the house this morning. That if, if you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your mind, I don't even care what it is. I want you to, I want you to take this, but I would love for, for somebody to partner with you and just pray over you. Thank you, guys. I'll take my juice. I've got cracker here. You're good. So communion is a weapon for you. It's not a formula. Right? Like, you can't just leave here and be like, shoot, I'll give a coffee for 21 days and take communion if that means I'm going to get free. Well, that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. But this is a weapon in your tool belt that you should remember. Because there's something powerful that happens when we remember the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. So I don't know what you're needing this morning. I don't know if you need protection. I don't know if, if you need deliverance in your mind, in your soul, in your physical body. I don't know if, if you just need that promise of a new beginning, if you need the, to experience the love of God, if you need to... to step into the reality of the forgiveness of your sins and freedom. 
from the power of darkness in your life, but I want us to remember Jesus. So God, as we, we hold our little cracker, we remember you. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you endured in your body. That your brokenness releases wholeness in us. That you became that perfect sacrifice that makes a way for all of us to be able to live a life of victory. Thank you, Lord. We remember this morning. Amen. You can eat your bread. And Lord, thank you for your blood. It has to be the most precious thing that's ever hit the face of our planet. That your blood was spilled out for us. That you, the perfect son of God, were willing to become a sacrificial lamb, so to speak. so that all of humanity had the opportunity to be in relationship with you and to be free of death and the grave and sin. Lord, I thank you that your blood stripped the enemy of his powers. I thank you for the truth of that reigning in every heart and mind this morning. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper because of your work on the cross, because you have paid for it. And this morning, we declare your blood is enough. Your blood is enough for my stuff. Your blood is enough for the stuff of every person in here, whether it's big stuff or small stuff, whether it's pain, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual emotional your blood is enough for our freedom and we remember that we remember that power and we plead the blood over our hearts over our minds over our bodies over our families 
Lord, I thank you this morning for breakthrough. I thank you, Father, for people who have been in long-time battles that as, as they think on this and as they, as they take a hold of the power of your blood, that there would be a breakthrough this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite our leaders up. Uh, if you need prayer for healing, would you would you come up before you leave? Because we're we're seeing God do some cool things. We're seeing Him release healing. Man, even my oh, is He in here? Even my son, this week, he just told me last night, hey, mom, I prayed for this guy at school and he got better. <laughs> All his pain left. It's like, whoa, that's so cool. God is up to something. He is the healer. He is the one who sets us free. So leaders, if you'll come on up and ones that I talk to, Lord, thank you that you are the healer. Lord, I just pray that you would seal whatever you need to seal in us that you did this morning. For all of the amazing words that you spoke to us individually, corporately, God, I pray that those would just be planted in our hearts. And I thank you, God, for continuing your work, that you never stop. You never stop working in your people. That's so astounding. Lord, I thank you for freedom in this house this morning. I thank you for hearts leaving with weights that have been thrown off, full of joy and expectation and anticipation of their future. In Jesus' name. All right, come on up if you need healing. We're here to pray for you. And if not, you are dismissed. Dad, oh, there we go. You can leave your offering in the back bucket and plan on our dollar offering next Sunday because I forgot about that. So uh, your regular tithes and offerings you can put in the box and then we'll do our dollar offering next week.